cool. Ready? Awesome. So welcome, Victoria. Um, we have been figuring this out for a while, so I'm happy that we've <laughs> made it happen. <laughs> I know. Finally, it was uh, long overdue, so I'm glad we were able to coordinate. Yes, thank you. So you are incredible and absolutely, um, I think, I don't mind bending is the only weird word that I can fathom for you because you can contort yourself in all sorts of different shapes. And, um, so even before we get there, I want to know a little bit more about your history. I know that you, um, start with dance and uh, what type of dance and this type of stuff, and then we'll get more to recent day, um, with all of your beautiful shapes. <laughs> Um, I started dancing classical ballet as a child at four, and it was something that I trained in very intensively all through grade school, middle school, high school. I was on a pre-professional track, um, was training in the summertime at like School of American Ballet and American Ballet Theater, all the big ones here in New York City. And um, I had knee surgery, and so I kind of was a little, you know, deterred from following my desired career path. I was like, this is never going to happen. Like my knee is a mess. It never really healed completely. And so I kept dancing, but um, inevitably I was like, I'm going to go to college just because that's like the safe route. Um, so I went to Dartmouth College. That was my first choice school. So I'm very happy I got in there. Um, and then I joined the dance ensemble while there. So I was still able to fulfill my passion for movement. Um, it wasn't so much hardcore classical ballet anymore. It was a little bit more modern contemporary, but I really enjoyed that. And um, after I left college, I just stopped dancing cold turkey. Um, I was kind of lost after school. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I had a few like traumatic experiences after um, I left university having lost my best friend and then like my dad had quadruple bypass heart surgery all within 48 hours and so after that I was just kind of like a little bit down um confused so I just did the you know Ivy League thing I went into finance and I uh, worked a hedge fund job for I guess it was six years um that didn't it didn't fill my passion at all um I enjoyed the experience. It was a great learning opportunity. Um, but in general, I was very detached while I was there. And um, I think it became obvious because I would leave in the middle of the day to like go to yoga class or, you know, I would always rush out five o'clock on the dot so I could get to yoga class. Um, thanks to the hedge fund though and its location, I found a hot yoga studio. And once I found it, I kind of just fell in love and started taking Bikram yoga every day for quite a few years. And that's the one thing that kind of helped me get through a lot of like my inner demons as far as like feeling guilt towards my friend's passing and just like not feeling fulfilled at work. I had a very bad eating disorder for a very long time, which was always like kind of on the surface because I wasn't necessarily in the happiest of places. Um, but that really just changed everything. So I really committed to that practice and uh, I never thought I would 
you know, like now be a yoga instructor and, you know, anything like that. But my hedge fund did me the favor of letting me go in December 2018, um, along with a few other people. I wasn't the only one, but um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. But yet still, I didn't know what I was going to do. I actually became like very depressed, started abusing alcohol. Um, It's like very just on a downward spiral, like, what am I doing with my life? And my parents actually had like an intervention with me. They're like, we can't do this anymore. They're like, you're going to kill us and you're going to kill yourself. So I decided to sign up for teacher training. (laughs) I was like... (laughs) I was like, I need some meditation in my life. I just need something calming. Um, I signed up for teacher training. The week before training started, I was hospitalized with a a lupus flare-up. But I left in time, and I showed up day one, and that's just been it. I've been, like, gave my life over to yoga and the training and, like, more of the lifestyle, health and wellness. And it's been, like, a blessing, it it is a huge blessing. I don't, especially being here in New York City. I think that it's so easy to just get caught up and wrapped up in. Well, I just need to live. Like you felt like you need to be in that finance world because you had to live and provide. And it, you know, it's hard to step back, take a second, really refocus, and say, "Is this making me happy?" It's not, or it is. And what can I do to? better myself and better it to make sure that you know you can actually lead a happy but also healthy life exactly and like my parents are from the caribbean so there's like a lot of hard-grained traditions and so it's like you know they expect you to be like doctor lawyer Mm. financier like all that stuff but you know it's not I'm too much of a creative soul I have been ever since and like you know since childhood um and so to embark on something like yoga was like very frightening because it's like how am I going to pay my bills like what does this look like like am I going to be teaching every day running up all around the city like you know to 10 different studios because it just seemed like it was really kind of a grind Mm -hmm. But I just loved the yoga and the movement and just like the learning process behind it. After teacher training, I learned so much just about my own body and my own mindset and just like what it means to like really be in tune with yourself and with others in a space and just like feel energy that like it's honestly, you know. Energy is such a real thing. It really is. You can feel it. totally feel it when I get upset with my husband I don't have to say anything and he'll come over and be like (laughs) babe what happened and I'm like nothing he's like no no some I feel I feel you radiating like I know some like in it's so funny because I always knew energy was a thing but you as I don't know if it's a New York thing or as an adult thing or what but you really you can really feel energy like yeah it's and it's amazing because it's like it's not something you can see because you know people can pretend to be happy and people can pretend to be got their shit together but you can feel really it's amazing what's going on on the inside totally yeah so mike i have a question going back 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 when you were really little four because i have a little one now so i'm always wondering like when should i start her in this and when should i start her in that 
one, how did you keep your um, motivation to continue practicing, right? Because it's easy to lose motivation when you've been doing something for such a long time. Yeah. And was it something you chose or you were following someone's footsteps? You, it, you saw it around the house or you just, this is a class you took and then it, you were good at it or got attached to it and that was it. Yeah, um, I'm glad I started at four because <clears throat> I feel like that's always the earlier the better. That's the best time to like learn things um, and really, you know, you have to be dedicated. It shows discipline. Um, it teaches you a lot of things that just like if you don't embark on some sort of extracurricular seriously that you'll never learn in life, I feel like. Um and it was actually my my mom got me involved in ballet. I guess she grew up dancing. I mean, I've never seen any footage of her dance or anything like that. I haven't seen a photo. But she said she used to dance, and she always wanted me to. And so she felt like ballet would be the best thing to, you know, help teach me grace, poise, hard work, dedication, discipline. And, I mean, she was right. It, um, there were times, though, throughout the process, like, you know, one of the teachers is mean and you don't want to go back. And my mom was like, nope, you're going to keep going and like you're going to like it. And I mean, there were times where it was hard, but I'm glad. I'm glad that I did. Um, in my friends group, I was really the only one outside of school who had like something passionate that I really enjoyed doing. So that was the only thing I felt like sometimes I, you know, missed out on some things because I'm training seven days a week. I'm in the ballet studio, you know, nine to five, Saturday and Sunday, working on the next production and whatnot. So I think that was the hardest part, but it, in the end, like I didn't miss out on anything. Yeah, it's funny how when you grow up, you look back and you're like, why was I like, what was that about? What was the issue? Yeah. There was really no issue. Exactly. So. so when you transitioned from dance to yoga, how was that? I guess I don't think it would, I mean, I'm, I mean, you're very flexible. You can make any shape. Is there any shape you can't make? Yeah, there are some really intense ones. Cause like I, I like border on just like deep backbender contortionist like I'll never consider myself a contortionist but like there are some extreme things that I do that are you know not necessarily attainable to most but there are certain things if you go to Instagram and search you'll see some crazy things I'm like I'm not ready or I don't know if even I want to get that deep into the practice you know it's pretty extreme <laughs> it is well, when you went from dance to yoga, you, was there a lot more, obviously there's the mental, that's the biggest component of yoga is the mental, the mind, body, this inner kind of spirit, but your actual body, was there a lot of other stuff to learn or did you, were you able to just transition pretty seamlessly? <laughs> it was a fairly seamless transition. Um, you know, there were some things like I tend to sit in my hyperextension a lot, which in ballet is a beautiful thing. It creates beautiful lines, but in yoga, it can lead to injury if you mm -hmm. do it repeatedly like that for too long. So like there were certain postures, even now, I feel like I'm still relearning certain basics just in terms of alignment, like the technique is there, but there's always going to be some of my like ballet training that kind of always sticks. Mm -hmm. Um, that can make the yoga 
either sometimes easier or more challenging. What is your hardest, what's the hardest thing that you can do? Like the hardest pose? Oh, I do you call know. them, you call them poses, right? Pardon? They're called poses? Yeah, yoga poses. Um, what do you think is the prettiest, most difficult one? Uh, or your favorite pose? There's one that I always do a lot. It's like a full camel where I just like, it just kind of bend like a box and I grab my knees with my hands. Mm -hmm. um, I think that always looks pretty nice. And then there's just like, you know, mm -hmm. certain, I'll be on chest stand and I'll bring my legs up overhead and place my feet flat on the floor. So it's like a- Like the crocodile or alien. Is it alien or crocodile? Hmm? It's an alien or a crocodile? Uh, well, they refer, that sort of stuff they refer to as alien. Okay. I had Sam on here. You know, Sam, the... Yeah, I work with her. I'm seeing her this afternoon. Yeah, you have to tell her I said hi. So I, she, I learned a lot from her with her, the, the terms and then, because I didn't know, I don't know about contortion and a little about yoga, but it's very interesting because do the names correlate also? Do the names transfer? They do. They do. And I mean, of course, like once you get into certain things, contortion wise, the name changes and like a lot of yogis haven't heard of it because it's not something that's really available to them in their practice. Um, I'm honestly not great with terminology. I never pretend to be. That's one thing I definitely could take like a few lessons in just like some sort of training on like just terminology and Sanskrit and all that stuff. But so what is your tech, the technical type of yoga? What's it called? The type that you, I guess you teach something different than you practice or you practice what you teach or? I do both. <laughs> I mean, like my flexibility training is just like something totally separate. Um, but I do, when I teach, it's mostly a vinyasa meets hatha flow. Um, my classes are challenging. So we're flowing, but like, we're also holding things. Like I don't, I call it flowing in the wind. I don't really like, you know, it's just like you're doing yoga, but not really doing yoga. Like when you finish taking my class, like you've worked hard, you're spent, like you can feel it. And so, um, I, it's a vinyasa meets hatha. Cool. I don't really do much with Ashtanga, um, Occasionally, I'll still take a hot yoga class, a.k.a. Hatha or Bikram class for myself just to see where I'm at and just, you know, because I do incorporate those elements into my vinyasa flow. Um, my teacher trainings was with Jared McCann. He um, opened up Lighthouse Yoga School. I'm not sure if you follow him on Instagram. He's wonderful, but his teaching... Um, his teacher training is incredible and taught me so much. And what's nice is that I try to incorporate some like real deep breathing to start a nice yoga nidra at the end of my class. And then just like a jam packed hardcore with like twists, inversions, back bends, you know, hip openers, all of that stuff. It's fun. Are you, when you made the transition, because I, I don't know because I don't, I don't know. I'm guessing that ballet dance obviously is all about movement and go, go, go mm -hmm. where yoga is much more centered. Yeah. Was it hard for you to find that center like that? I don't think it's calm, but it's like 
because you seem very like where I'm like when so when you like making that transition how has that been uh at first it was really hard um and I think just I'm in my head a lot generally so like to have to get on the mat and like find some stillness and inner peace was the biggest challenge ever and I used to do asana competitions uh for a couple of years and so what does a competition look like um bunch of competitors from different states well let's say new york regional for instance um all of the yogis who want to compete get together you have three minutes to compete a six posture routine uh, four compulsories two optionals and it's changed recently, but like in the beginning, you had to com- like complete, you know, A, B, C, D posture. Um, you could add a little bit of flair for extra degree of difficulty, which is what kind of sets people apart from one another. Um, and then, of course, optional poses. So someone could do like a rabbit pose. Meanwhile, someone's doing handstand scorpion. Obviously, the handstand scorpion is going to score higher. Um, and then whoever wins. I think it's top three in New York. You get to go to the super regionals, which is like the Northeast, same kind of structure. And then those top competitors, or I think it's the top competitor from every state then gets to compete in nationals. And then if you win nationals, you can go to internationals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was quite a thing for a while. I mean, it's kind of died off a little bit because of the pandemic. Um, and I might compete again. I'm not really sure, but I've just found a lot of peace since having finished competing. Um, I think cause a lot of times I'm just so in my head that like I would defeat myself during competition. Um, there were a few moments where I like was able to find some stillness, but it's like, I wake up doing these things every day and then you put me on a stage where I should not to sound boastful, but like, you know, finish top three, yeah. at least I'm coming in like 10th because I've wobbled for whatever reason. And like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not centered. So I, that makes sense. I find that now I'm much more centered. I'm super, super calm now. And like very, very like find that stillness and, um, even people around me, they're like, just being around you, I can just feel that calm and that zen, and it's so centering. So I think, you know, now I, I am, but it took a long time to get here. Yeah, well, I was reading up on it on your website, but also you mentioned that you've, you know, been through, as people have, they go through roller coasters in life, and it's, I think that, you know, it's a matter of how you handle and how you react and respond to things that are thrown your way and the one thing that I am curious about because I think that it's something that's super common especially now with social media and everyone's comparing themselves and there's this filter and that filter and especially amongst I mean I'm sure boys but very much so females and girls with eating disorders and it I don't know also correct me and tell me your thoughts on this it all just goes back to your mindset, your mentality of having your head, I guess, in the right place or um, 
I guess maybe your mental health. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Cause I did read what you um, said on this about your, on the blog and, um, or the interview that you did. I can't remember where I read it, but I thought it was super insightful on some tips that you shared for things that helped you to overcome your eating disorder, um, or cope with it. Or, I mean, I don't know, is it something that's forever present or you get over it and that's it? I think you always have to be mindful um, and just like do all of the necessary things that are going to serve you. Like don't start engaging in behaviors or surround yourself with people who are maybe going to be triggering. Um, you know, it's, and maybe like if I had a baby or a husband or something, I'd be, my head would be thinking about other things like it would never be a thing but you know you are in front of the camera all the time you are like you know wearing yoga clothes doing the things like you know people are looking at you and it's you know it's just something to where you have to feel comfortable and healthy and peaceful within yourself and just continue to do all of the things that are going to keep you on that path and even like you know talking with people openly or just like you have to be honest and true to yourself if you're having some sort of issue or if I'm feeling a certain sort of way I start journaling or I'll talk to you know a good friend or my brother or something like that and just be very candid and you know about how I'm feeling and it's like okay stay the track stay on course Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. just take a few deep breaths take some quiet time for yourself. If you're feeling overwhelmed, like, you know, do something, you just have to stay present and stay active and stay aware. I feel like it could be easy to slip up if you're not doing the things that you know you need to be doing, or if you start engaging in negative behaviors or things of that nature. Well, is it, that's the thing, not only that thing, but not only an eating disorder specifically is what I'm saying. But things that you can control, you generally speaking, anyone, yeah. that's why that's the chosen thing. Like that's the chosen, um, the chosen thing to do because you can control it. And it feels like maybe other things are spiraling. Is that uh, spiraling out? Is that why people choose to do that? Or is it a, like a distorted self image? Like how do you really see yourself kind of thing? I think it's both distorted self-image. Um, mine started in ballet after I had my knee surgery. I was afraid of gaining weight, not training. And so I just started restricting and then it just, just became like a lifestyle. It became easy and you start getting good feedback and, you know, cause it's the ballet world. I mean, it's, it's different now for sure. But, you know, I was 16 then and I'm 36 now. So very different but um a lot of it is just a control thing too you feel like you have control either you know it's like not eating or exercising too much or people binge and purge as well um it's for me I think it was mostly a control thing I think like you know there was a lot of my mom I guess like living vicariously through me and I was kind of like her puppet and I didn't really have my own voice like I feel like I just found my voice like over the last year really 
And so I think that was like my way of kind of like acting out. And then when that was better, sometimes I would then swap that out for drinking problems. And so it was just like, I was like on a wild circus roller coaster. But, uh, you know, once you get over like the body dysmorphia and like, start to realize why you're doing this. Like the hardest part is just acknowledging you have a problem and then trying to figure out what the root cause is. Mm. Like you can't just, you know, I went to therapy a lot, but I mean, I didn't really feel like, I mean, I knew what was happening and I knew what pretty much the cause was, but it's like, you also have to be in a mind space where like you actively feel happy and like you want to make these changes because it's, it's hard. It's like not easy at all, especially if you're in like a cyclical pattern for years. It became like my security blanket. It's like all I knew. And instead of like talking to someone or like, you know, voicing my how I'm feeling, it was just easier for me to like not eat or eat and throw up. What was the turning moment? Like what, what finally caused you to make that switch and say, okay, you know, what, I'm going to do this. I think it was when I found my Bikram practice. Things started shifting then. Um, I think like just, it was like being in the mirror and like, you know, just really kind of facing myself, I guess, for the first time in like a different light than I had and a different lens. And then I think too, it's like, you don't want to live your whole life like this. Like this is not something you want to do. It's like, so let's start to really, you know, make the changes and start to put in the work and put in the effort. I mean, it's very awkward for a while and uncomfortable, but obviously I'm like, all the better for it now and can share and talk openly about it and whatnot. But I think because it was such like a, a long, it was like over 10 years that like it really, you know, yeah, I always kind of, it's always sort of there, but it's like not there. Like I don't have to worry about it, but I am mindful that it did exist and I obviously don't want it to come back. So I make sure I eat every three hours and I eat certain things that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a lifestyle permanent routine for me now. Yeah. It's really, um, well, a couple of things to that one, I know a few girls who I used to train with, they had crazy stories about getting basically to the lowest point of being so light, like one, she broke her, she was going for a run and she broke her pelvis. Like she just cracked because she was so frail from an eating disorder. And it's things like that, that happen that make you realize like for her, this is what made her realize like she needs to, you know, get on the right track and do good for herself because it, it's, it's absolutely petrifying how you can really just dwindle down and diminish to like just bones. It's, it's so scary because yeah. you can die. And then no, we have a friend can. recently and it was, it's a boy and he's, you know, I don't know. I think he's 14, 15, something like that. And he, he did the same thing. And it's crazy. And I don't know if it's like a social media thing, but you know, you hear about it with girls, but when it happened with the boy, it's very like, 
that's how strong this whole culture is, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, the culture of 2021 or, or the culture of social media era or whatever this phenomenon is. And it's crazy because I spoke, like, I'm a nutritionist and I've, you know, help people with their diet, gain weight, lose weight, whatever. And I spoke with him and he was like, I was just trying to get abs. And I, like, we laughed. He and I laughed at the same time. And I was like, is that really? He was like, yeah. And it was just such an interesting thing because there's so, when people genuinely are just trying to eat healthy and, you know, they're going for the abs or the bicep or I don't know, whatever, they're shooting their goal is and there's so much information out there it's almost like they don't know how to process it yeah or to get the the right information to go about it properly so it's crazy because when I see and so he anyhow he ended up in the hospital and his heart rate was like down to like 34 or something like super low and it's just petrifying because And it's exactly what you're saying. Like you have to figure it out within yourself. And then once you do that, that's when you can move forward. And I think that that's why it's so scary for people around because they see it. And it is, it's a, as much as it's probably scary for you or, you know, people that are going through it to talk about the people on the outside to bring it up and to talk about it. It's also, I think, hard and frightening because it's like, you don't want to be too aggressive or, yeah like it's like really something you got to kind of finesse around yeah but and bottom line it's really just up to the individual like once they're ready to start making changes and if they're ready to commit to it and just put in the work because it's not easy but obviously it's worth it I mean you can get your life back it's like who wants to spend all their time thinking about food and it's exhausting (laughs) you could do so much more with your time no it's true it's it's a real true it's crazy because I mean being in the the fit health and wellness world and like having nutrition clients and writing programs and writing things for people to eat it's wild because it really has been eye-opening for people just don't know yeah it's wild so um the other thing I was going to ask you about with that is when so you you mentioned this you have you're always doing photo shoots you're always in front of a camera you're always in front of people do you think that that helps it helps you stay on track or makes it a little bit more of a fight helps me stay on track um i think knowing that i need to be kind of camera facing all of the time um has actually been a bit more of an incentive just for me to keep my head on the way it needs to be Um, because also it's like you know when people do start to read my story I want to be like more of an inspiration and a role model not like look like some stick figure Malibu Barbie who you know Mm -hmm. is living this perfect glamorous glorious life it's like no it wasn't perfect I'm really hard to get where I am mentally physically career-wise everything but um, I don't think it exacerbates it at all I just think it helps me just feel still calm and centered around it and just like, you know, approach it on like an even, you know, keel. Not like, oh, I need to look skinnier. I need to look like this. It's like, no, 
not at all. So. Do you like looking at your photos and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Once I get them, there, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty line or, you know, something like that. Used to the technicalities of it. Yeah. And, like, I work a lot with Renee Choi. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of shoots 90% of my content. And she knows what I like now, so she'll be like, okay, point the toe more, lock it out more, So which is great. And then, like, when I get on set with, like, Aloe, for instance, I know you know what it's gonna feel like and how I want the line to look so that's fun it's definitely um it makes it more comfortable when you know you're prepared you know who you're working with you know what they want you know what you can give them which is everything you know they're gonna capture it you know Mm -hmm. I think that's important too (laughs) when you get in those deep deep back bends you don't want to do it four and five times you just want to do it once it's I'll put a photo or a video here from your Instagram so people can see because you really can get into these great like I just can't even these positions that are just mind-blowing how much are you training a day not that often I should be training more um it's been hard because I've been traveling a lot recently. I feel like I've been traveling nonstop since like March this year. Um, <clears throat> when I am like rooted down at home, I try to see Sam um, definitely once a week. When I'm feeling really good and like, you know, definitely going to be here like at least a month, I try to see her twice a week. Um, I feel like it's definitely, it's helped the ease of my practice. I get into things a lot faster, I get into them deeper, it feels comfortable. Um, when I'm alone, I'll probably train myself personally, like twice a week. I go to the gym sometimes, but sometimes that makes me tight. So I've been trying to scale that back just a smidge and just focus on the flexibility. Um, and then like, I'll teach my yoga classes. I teach two a week. Um, and are you doing virtual or in person now? They're virtual. I'm hoping to do some in-person soon, like uh, at Sky Ting or something like that down in Chinatown um, on their roster list of teachers. So I'd love to get in there for like an advanced class and like actually work with people and see them. I have a lot of private clients that come to my apartment and I just, some of them just want to flow. So I work them out or some want to backbend, of course. So I work them out in that capacity too. So, um, I would love to do more in real life classes though. The connection is a real thing that's missed. Yeah. And I mean, I want to be able to see what people are doing. You can't really see that while on the other side of the camera, it's like a laptop screen is only so big and it's not like I have some big jumbotron here, so I can't like see what's happening. You're like zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. I like literally just sit in front of the laptop and teach because I, if I flow with them even a little bit, I'm going to miss what's happening. So I prefer to at least get in there real close when I can. Totally. So you you learn, you teach, you do shoots, you, what do you think? I mean, I don't know if it's ultimately, but what do you think your next step is or, and, or what do you, because I, I feel like when you've made such a huge leap over, you know, really grappling and getting this eating situation under control and, you know, now leaving the finance world, being in yoga, like you're 
you're on your track for life, right? Like this is, is this your purpose you think? Or are you, what do you think your kind of mission is to do? I definitely want to, you know, keep teaching um, and keep training myself. I feel like that, you know, it serves me mentally, physically. I love giving back to the community. I mean, when my students leave my, my class or, you know, a lesson, they're so happy and they feel so great and they're just so thankful. And that just leaves me feeling so amazing. Um, so that's something I'm always going to keep in my life, in my career, and for the future, I do envision myself doing more, like, in a retreat capacity or something like that. Um, it'd be nice to just connect with more people in various parts of the world, sharing what I love with them, and just, like, you know, when I do a retreat, I just have this great sense of community and love and just... I feel so rejuvenated and whole after the fact, and I just want to be able to give that to the community even more. Um, of course, I want to, you know, keep working with various brands and like kind of live that influencer, air quote, you know, sort of health and wellness, or even more lifestyle because I I do enjoy, you know surprisingly from you know ed now i do enjoy like going out to dinner and like eating and stuff like that uh -huh. so um you know sharing that and just like more lifestyle type things so i would like to see my trajectory incorporate a little bit more lifestyle because um, that's i really want to be like a lifestyle brand so to yeah. speak um even though of course yoga is always going to be my core foundation 200 percent I'll never give that up. <laughs> um, but I would like to do like more, let's say, you know, online, like create like a, like a, a teaching platform of just like online virtual classes, like series classes that people want to sign up and take and just provide in that sense. Um, I mean, I filmed a little bit for Allo Moves recently, which was really great. I'm excited to see those classes come out, but I'd love to do like more of that um, over time. And definitely a passion project. I'm like navigating it, figuring out how to do more, but is work with the Lupus Foundation more. That's something that I would love to just continue to give back to as far as community. And that just makes me feel whole. Any kind of philanthropic work is just, I grew up as a Girl Scout, so I like to give back to the community. When you, tell me a little bit more about your lupus journey. I was diagnosed in 2016, um, so fairly recent. I mean, I didn't, my thought, I literally thought I was dying. Like, I was in the middle of a yoga competition, and my body just collapsed on stage. I was mortified, um, but obviously at that point, too, I knew something was devastatingly wrong. Um, I had all sorts of crazy symptoms, like, my hair was falling out, sores in my mouth, sores in my nose. I had like spots in the back of my throat. I was swollen beyond belief. Um, 
I lost all of my motor skills. I had to stop practicing yoga. I stopped going to work. They let me work from work from home, even though I wasn't doing anything. I was just laying in bed. Um, I was literally sleeping like 20 plus hours a day. I was blacking out all over Manhattan. I got to the office one day and I didn't even know where I was. I had to ask someone to show me to my floor. People were calling me on the phone. I didn't even recognize my dad's voice anymore. It was just like, uh, finally, I'm after many urgent care doctors, which was a waste of time, but my parents dragged me home and eventually I was like diagnosed. I spent a week in the hospital. They just ran like a battery of tests and they're like, you have kidney lupus. So there's always protein in my kidneys, which is something that I always have to look out for. I can always tell when something's kind of coming. Um, I got back from... Portugal the other day and for two days I was like swollen totally like potential flare I had like a really bad fever but I nipped it in the bud and back to normal within 48 hours but that kind of changed my wellness journey in general um it was one of those things to where it was like this is it like you know I didn't know what lupus was I didn't know what the repercussions were going to be I mean Obviously, there's medication, and I knew people had, like, died from it previously, and it's just like, what does this even mean? And so it's totally changed my life, but I would say for the better. It's helped me want to nourish and love my body in a whole new way that maybe I wouldn't be in this place if it weren't for, like, the lupus diagnosis. Um, I've learned to listen to my body. You know, I value rest now. Like, if I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Like, that's it. You know, like, if I need 10 hours of sleep, I'm taking the 10 hours. And at least what's nice, you know, working for myself, doing the yoga and all that stuff, I can I can afford to do that. You know, if I was working 9 to 5 like I was, you know, it'd be a different story. But, um now it's changed my life. I like want to eat good food. I eat primarily vegan. I mean, I throw in some protein from time to time because I feel like my body needs it because it's so active. But like, you know, water, tea, don't really drink at all. It's like, it's all just, just health and wellness all the time. And, you know, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. So it's really getting to my body to a point of like optimal health where I can really start to wean it down and maybe lupus will remission i don't really i mean i'm i know what lupus is but i don't know much about it like i think my understanding is probably what yours was before you had it so it's an interesting thing i mean it's insane hearing about it how it just yeah it's like zero to 60 one day i was fine and then like february i started getting sick my face was exploding. They thought I had the mumps for a while. And then by June, I was diagnosed. So it was just like a rapid spiral. Like, and why? What is even the cause of it? Is it a hereditary thing? Is it you here having your genetics or just environmental lifestyle? No, I think a lot of it's environmental and lifestyle. Um, I mean, I grew up really well and like, you know, lived a pretty affluent lifestyle my parents gave me everything I grew up in Princeton New Jersey like you know there's nothing I didn't have but I think you know I think some of the life stressors that I went through and then put my body through between the alcohol and the eating and 
you know, all of that mental stuff, I think is really just kind of what set it off. I mean, there's no true, you know, particular diagnosis. It's just like everyone's symptoms are so different. When I start to flare, I get really bad joint pain and just like my body swells up. Um, Other people, it's like, you know, they'll start to get sores in their mouth or sores in their nose or something like that. Or people have scars on their face. It's like a butterfly rash. I've never really had that, but that's typical, like trademark lupus. But just one of those random, weird autoimmune diseases. Nobody knows why it starts. It just kind of comes on and the body literally starts attacking itself so my body was just attacking itself and like it was like eating itself I was like dying and literally didn't even understand what was happening and it's not some I think they're probably testing for more for it now because I feel like autoimmune things keep popping up all over the place Mm -hmm. which I just think is I'm like is it the food is it people's lifestyle like what is it's like the new sounds really bad but it's like almost you know as prevalent as cancer now it's like just and you don't really understand why it starts but it definitely helped me bring in the reins and just like want to get healthy and like I want to be living a better life and Mm -hmm. so in general the whole health and wellness thing it just all ties together really beautifully and the yoga I think helps me with the lupus too I can tell when my body is starting to struggle based on how my practice is going Mm -hmm. and um, I think just like the constant movement um, is really helpful I mean of course like movement is like my career but I try to encourage other lupus warriors the importance of like getting out there, moving consistently, like eating really well. It makes a big difference. And I just sometimes feel like maybe not enough people are willing to put in the effort or the resources behind taking care of their health. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so easy to not, right? Like fast food, it's like you got it here, you want this, that, whatever you want especially in New York City, but also, you know, anywhere in the country for that matter at this point, it's like, it's so easy to eat crap. It's so easy to not take care of yourself. And if anything, and I mean, this is a whole different thing that we're not even going to get into, but even like now they're giving away burgers, Krispy Kreme, this, that, go get the vaccine and I'll give you burgers it's like (laughs) so you know so it's like all these and it's sad but it's a reality all these big companies you know they're backing and they have all this money so of course people are going to be over like what is it three out of four people is overweight or something crazy like it's insane oh my god it's it's definitely 50 percent. it might be three out of four people it's insane it's like disgusting. And I think that they make it so easy. It's not like when I, so I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Michigan. And when I go home, I'm like, well, let's, I want to go get a juice, like a fresh juice. Like I literally have to search and search and search. And I finally found a place and it's like 45 minutes from where I live. But of course I'll go because it's like, you know, when you're on, when you're eating healthy and you're taking care of yourself, your body craves it. Like the same yeah, way when you eat does. bad and you eat, you know, like when I eat sugar, my body craves sugar. When I eat healthy, you know, just juices and greens, my body craves that. 
And I think that whatever you feed it, whatever you're nourishing it with, even if you're not nourishing it, that's what it wants more of. And most people don't know what it feels like to feel good or to not feel fatigued and to not feel. So they have no idea what they're missing out on. They just, they only know what they know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never, after eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner, I'm never like, oh, I have food coma, you know, unless it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I feel energized and I'm like, okay, body feels light, still good, you know, but like it's nourished. Yeah. It's a wild, it's so, it's so sad that that's the reality of what people are, they just don't know. And how do you know what you don't know? Exactly. And there needs to be a lot of more education behind it. So much. It's such a, um, well, we'll see what happens with that with, I mean, the world is in a weird state right now. So hopefully <laughs> it's well. And I mean, on that same point, I was talking with a dermatologist on the podcast about, um, and she, her original thing was nutrition. So we started talking about food and she's a doctor and I, as you probably can contest, like, yes, if you want to get the vaccine, go for it, whatever, that's your choice. But why can't you do more things at home? Why can't you, yes, you know, wear a mask, six foot rule, whatever, but take care of yourself, take vitamins, take supplements, get some fresh air, work out, move your body, eat right, like lose some weight, not you, but people in general, like, instead of taking things into their own hands, the matters mm-hmm. in their own hand, they want to just wait for a cure. And it's like, I don't think that that's the way to go. No, it's never a cure. It's about you. You have to be active and do something about it. Yeah. 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 True. I think that's a great way to end. But, <laughs> <laughs> but my other question for you is I know you have retreats coming up. Uh, where can people find you and whatever else you might want to share? Um, I'm on Instagram at what gives. I love um, I that have a link in bio. I have a funny story about that. The, uh, I think it's like the marketing director at rag and bone, the clothing brand came up with that for me. That That's so, like it's so cute. It's adorable. <laughs> um, I have a link in bio there, um, which you can check out my website. It's what gives nyc.com. And uh, yeah, I have retreats coming up, one in October in Greece. It's kind of soon. We'll see what happens with all the variants and stuff like that. But it's supposed to be in Crete, October 17th to the 22nd. Um, five days, four nights, just fabulous. It's going to be beautiful, right on the water. And uh, planning something in Jamaica during President's, that President's weekend, yeah. I think in Jamaica, um, again, five days, four nights. I'm still actually working out some of the finite details on that one, but I'm super excited, but definitely check out the Greece one. I'd love for people to come. Yes, will do. Um, so I'll include links and little yeah. videos so people can see where to go and check it out. I think that's it. Anything else? Amazing. Cool. I don't think so. Just I'm going to host a lupus event soon, so maybe oh, be on top for that. Definitely, yeah. I will. I'm very uh, – that's going to be a virtual or kind of thing, or you're going to go and then – I want it to be in real life. I know. <laughs> but don't hold your breath. 
Yeah, no, but if not, then virtual for sure. But yeah. Awesome. And thank you again. Thank you. Have a great day. See you, Victoria. You too. Bye. Bye.